Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, coming to you with this midweek pod on the Browns. There's just so much to discuss about this team. So it felt like this week required another pod from our side of things. Jordan Zerm still going to come with another pod this week as well on this feed on Friday. But brought on Jake Burns for this podcast. Jake is a fantastic writer for 24-7 Sports on the Browns, the Orange and Brown Report. He also does incredible film work on Baker Mayfield and the entire team on Twitter and for the website and on YouTube. So Brought him on to talk about an article he wrote about this week about how Miles Garrett's getting treated differently by the officials uh, when it comes to holding calls and how he's getting what what Jake termed the shack treatment. So broke all that down with him in terms of what he's seeing on the film there. And then also we, we talked about the Ravens game coming up here on Monday night, a huge one for this Browns team, maybe. Maybe still a chance to win the AFC North. I know I've been running some of those playoff simulators. I'm sure some of you guys have out there too. So Jake and I, we break it all down in terms of offense, Baker Mayfield, defense, what happened in week one, how the Browns are different from that. And and I can just tell you right now, this is a totally different team from week one. We It feels like a lifetime ago that the Browns got blown out by the Ravens. Kevin Stefanski's first game, Joe Woods' first game. So all that out the window, super excited for this game on Monday night. I think the Browns have a really good chance. So uh, Jake and I will uh, talk through all of that. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break because I didn't want to interrupt Jake and our conversation at all. So we're going to hear from our sponsors. And then on the other side of that is my conversation with Jake Burns. This episode of The Rebuild is brought to you by Bet Online. Yes, we've heard all about them. And look, I wish I could be at that game on Monday night against the Ravens. I'm sure many of you wish you could be at, at the game as well. But hey, if you can't, you can still get in on the action at Bet Online. Bet online is going to go the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. And the Browns are underdogs against the Ravens in that game. Vegas showing no respect to our team. And, well, I certainly going to put my money where my mouth is about this Cleveland Browns football team. And I'm going to take them against the Ravens in that game on Monday night. Still not getting enough respect for me. So, from game spreads like that and totals to team and player props, coaching props, Bet Online has it all. They give you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division championships, potentially other championships. 
if you're as optimistic as I am about the Browns this season, all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take full advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Just don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when you do at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This episode of The Rebuild is also brought to you by Indeed. Yes, just quick story time. We're going to make this one a little bit personal. So my girlfriend, Avery, has just passed her EMT certification. So she's looking for a job. And, And where did she go when she needed a job? She went to Indeed, of course. Because that's where all the job seekers go these days. And so if you're on the business side of things, you need to have your jobs on Indeed. They're the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, so you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria so that you can contact them at a moment's notice, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, so it's clear Indeed can get you the quality hire your company needs. That's why over 3 million businesses worldwide are using Indeed. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now, indeed.com slash blue wire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. I'm very excited to introduce our guest on today's episode of The Rebuild, Jake Burns from 24-7 Sports, The Orange and Brown Report, and also a, a fellow Blue Wire podcaster, does the Orange and Brown Report, does the OBR film breakdown, and in my opinion, does the best Browns film work of anybody out there. So, Jake, really excited to have you on today to talk Browns. Hey, my pleasure. Always willing to uh, to jump on on a Blue Wire podcast to talk anything NFL, man, so I'm happy to be here. And, Jake, I follow all your work on Twitter, but something that you wrote about this week really stood out to me, and that's why I wanted to bring you on the midweek pod here. I thought it was a really interesting topic. You wrote about how uh, the officials have been treating Miles Garrett, uh, and you called him. You said that he got the Shack treatment. So, just yeah, you know, where did you get the inspiration from that, based on what you were seeing on film there? Well, you know, I I meant to sound hyperbolic with that in general. I mean. I, I don't know if any sport will quite see the rare breed that Shaquille O'Neal was uh, to his sport <laughs> at the time. And, and, uh, and listen, Miles is kind of in the ilk of that. I mean, there are guys kind of similar to, but he's, he's one of the few rare size speed combinations with power 
so he he is certainly unique. Uh, I'm not I'm not trying to say he's not in that same sort of regard, but at the same time, it's it's uh, Shaq truly changed how the game was officiated. But I just wanted to kind of draw people's eye in terms of like this guy is not getting fair treatment and I I just think there's there's times I've been watching Miles since his rookie I've seen every snap he's played in the NFL and too many times I'm watching him and I just feel like his his blend of size and speed uh, leads officials to almost ignore him sometimes when he's getting uh, you know he's dealing with some sort of illegal behavior in terms of either hands to the face or a, a a clear holding penalty or something along those lines I, I just feel like sometimes, and he even retweeted a tweet that I put out on our film breakdown Twitter page where he's being held by two guys and he's like, that's just a weight room thing. I got to get through it. He doesn't complain very much. He just plays the game. And uh, I just feel like there are some times where it feels like Miles is not being treated the way, uh, the way that he should be treated in terms of what everybody else is. But I understand too, and I made sure to recognize that across the board, uh, holding penalties are down in the league, and that's not unrecognized by me. So uh, it, it's a thing across the NFL. But, man, some of these you'll watch, and it's like, this guy's not being held or some sort of illegal s- sort of actions taking place. He's he's going to end up with three or four sacks a game. He's just, he's just that tough to block. So, um, yeah, I mean, just I think it's a little bit of Cleveland fans are tired of seeing um, these issues weekly on, on film, and, and a lot of people catch it in the game when it's happening too. So it's a mixture of some frustration, but also some things where I think that the NFL is not doing a great job with the, with, with, with how they treat him either. I know I was one of those fans that was up you know, screaming on his couch uh, on the game on Sunday. It seemed like there were a couple of calls that didn't go in his favor, uh, hands to the face in particular, where it seemed at least pretty obvious to me that, that those were calls that the ref should be made. And, and you brought up a good point. Holding calls are down across the league this season. So it's definitely being called less. That's true. But also, to me, these didn't seem like, you know, the, the kind of ticky-tack, hey, you could call holding on every play kind of calls, especially in that game on Sunday. They seemed pretty obvious. When you looked back at the film, were they as obvious as it seemed in real time to me as a fan watching the game on Sunday? Yeah, they were obvious, and I think they're obvious too. Like when he he turns the high side corner so often off the edge that the guys just wrap around his neck, like like these tackles who are trying to get there to sort of ride or push him past the quarterback are wrapping their arm around his torso and sometimes finding themselves in positions where they're behind him. Like David Questenberry, who's the tackle replacement, obviously Taylor Lewan is the typical Titans tackle, but he is. Uh, he's hurt. He's he's got a he's got an injury that's put him on the IR for the year. So this is only the second game for for uh, for Questenberry, and it's like it, it. He's not there's not enough guys that can hang with him with this. With, some guys have enough speed to get back in their kick steps. Some guys have enough strength to sit there and anchor when he bull rushes. But when he counters with what the guy's weakness is, can't handle it. And it was it was very obvious on film to me uh, that he was he was in over his head trying to deal with. Uh, deal with miles and and there were i i counted five times in which a penalty should have been called and then the one uh hands to the face as well even on his sack uh that he did generate uh he was being held from behind again so it's like i just i just could imagine how frustrated miles is uh playing you know playing a full game you're playing this this full game 60 65 snaps and, and you only can really get one super rewarding play in there otherwise you're being held and no flags are called it would just be 
just be so ridiculously uh, challenging to stay mentally focused without feeling, you know, without feeling defeated almost at times. And you pointed out that this, in the article, that this is a recurring theme, right? That it just wasn't the Titans game, that you've seen this on, on film. But I'm curious, is this something that's getting worse as Garrett's developed more pass moves? I, I at least from my perspective, it seems like he's developed kind of a wider array of, of pass rushing moves as he's got, gone along in his career? Or is this something that, that you've seen pretty consistently throughout his, his entire career as Brown? Well, he was only really allowed to perform in his first two years that were with Greg Williams' defense. He was only really allowed to perform one move. Now, as he's expanded that, uh, and, and, and as new defensive coordinator between Steve Wilkes, who's here last year, and Joe Woods, who's here this year, they've allowed him to expand on how he approaches getting past opposing tackles. I've seen more holding issues. Uh, he was really not allowed to turn his back on the quarterback in the early stages. He was not really allowed to get crazy. It was more disciplined rush stuff is what they wanted from him early in his career. So, yeah, as he's expanded his repertoire moves, more, more um, high side dip, he's added a little Euro step with an inside jab to the outside. Uh, he's added more speed to power where he will sell the high side rush and bull rush through someone's chest. He's done uh, some different things, and, and he's added a spin move in there as well. He's being held. Uh, he's being held more. He's just too much for for one on one blocking and predictable pass situations. So I expect the holding to continue. Uh, I just kind of wanted to draw the attention of of anybody that would be willing to look at it, right? So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it probably falls on deaf ears. But for the most part, <laughs> um, I, I do think as time has worn on, he's been held a little bit more. Well, and I and I'm sure as someone who follows the team as closely as you do, you'll you'll also remember this: the training camp after. Greg Williams was gone and some of the quotes that that came out of the defensive side of the football uh, from Garrett and others about kind of the limitations that were put on them by Greg Williams was uh, I think baffling for Browns fans I think it was something that was that was almost indefensible well not even almost definitely indefensible in something now that you see kind of what Garrett can do when he's given free reign it just it, it makes it even worse and the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on with this article, and, and you brought it up at the beginning in terms of, hey, Garrett's not going to complain. That's not the kind of guy he is. But should he, you know, start to sell these a little more? Because you made the comparison to Shaq in the article. I think an athlete that Browns fans might be more familiar with uh, is LeBron James in the sense that another physical specimen, sure. But I think all all – Brown slash Cavs fans out there could admit LeBron did his fair share of acting with with the referees or at least embellishment to make sure that they knew hey just because I'm big and strong and this doesn't look like it's affecting me as much it's still you know a, a foul or in, in this case a penalty is that something that you see Garrett ever adopting or should he adopt or is it one of those things where it ultimately hey this is a ref's problem they need to fix it. They need to clean it up. Or, or can Garrett rely on that, do you think? Or, or should he change his game a little? It's a good question and one that was asked several times as I, as I answered questions on that article because I think it's one of those things, in my opinion, Henry, where it's like it's easy to, to say he should do that, but in, in real time when it's happening, and it's like 
you know, LeBron can see a foul coming a mile away. He beats his man off the ball. He knows help defense is coming, and he knows he's going to get fouled by by virtue of doing it over and over again and and uh, the nature of playing basketball. He has an idea when it's coming. You don't totally know when you're going to be held uh, in any given situation uh, as a pass rusher. So it's a slippery slope to try to predict when you're going to get held. And then in the split second, it happens between you're getting held and the quarterback throws the football or tries to escape the pocket that you're able to throw your arms up and complain to an official. It just feels like if you do that or try to make that a habitual thing that you apply to your, to your general pass rush repertoire, you're going to, you're going to miss something. Something's going to, you know, somebody's going to run past you or you're going to just miss something because your, your eyes are on the official and, uh, you know, you're not watching what's going on in front of you. I think it's something you have to complain about after it's happened. I saw Miles one time get audibly frustrated with the official, turn around and say something to him when he got his hands. Uh, so, so when Questenberry put his hands up in his face mask, and that's really all you can do. I, I, don't, I don't think you can sell holding calls uh, in the NFL as well as you can sell, uh, you know, sell a personal foul by kind of flopping backwards or whatever. I, I'm not anti-LeBron on that. I think he was, he was getting some – some pretty terrible treatment and probably for the sake of Cleveland fans you're right I probably should have put it more on LeBron in that sense so um look Miles just has to keep playing I think that it's 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 something that Kevin's Steph- I know for a fact the NFL sent a video over after the Jacksonville game not the NFL but the Browns sent a video to the NFL saying we have 11 instances where we thought Olivier Vernon was held in the Jacksonville game what's holding why is this not being called I am relatively positive the same video was once again sent over to the NFL and Kevin Stefanski and and uh, his coordinators will have pre-game meetings with officials where they tip them off either they have trick plays or whatever they talk to officials ahead of the game to tip them off on anything that they want uh, them to know ahead of the game and they're going to say hey man we've been dealing with some ridiculous holding penalties against Miles Garrett we need you to see uh, this happening and I'm sure it's going to be mentioned but it, I hate to say it because I hate this phrase, but it's a little bit of it is what it is. He just has to keep playing through it, keep doing what he does, and at the end of the day, hope that that, that some of these things start getting called. Uh, that's that's really the only option that he has because, you know, you're not going to win anything in this league by complaining to the officials all the time. It's only going to hurt your overall pass rush and performance and all that. So uh, I expect Miles to be a professional about it, as he always is, and and uh, keep keep plugging forward. And you bring up a good point about the distinction between basketball and football and in that the play doesn't stop if Miles Garrett's help, right? It's continuing. The quarterback still has his eyes downfield. The play is still going on. So it's not like a foul in basketball where, hey, the play's going to stop. And, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for an and one. And you see that also because Garrett, even when he is held, like the example you brought up and you had in the article as well, where he kind of basically split a double team and got held by both guys. Even in that instance, he almost got to the quarterback. So despite penalties being committed against him, he still has to keep playing because of that, uh, that opportunity to get a sack and how impactful that can be. And it may only come, as you said, once a game, twice a game, especially with how many penalties are being committed against him. Yeah, that, that article to me just stuck out as something that w- was very interesting as I was pouring through Brown's coverage this week. Definitely a different angle. And, and so all the listeners out there for the rebuild, I encourage you to go check it out. It, it's on Jake's Twitter. It's on 24-7 Sports. And, and we'll drop the link in the description here as well. Uh, Jake, I also, while I have you here, I wanted to talk about the Ravens a little bit as well because big Monday night game for the Browns 
these teams have played back in week one, and wow, does that feel like a lifetime ago now that the Browns are 9-3, and three, the Ravens reeling and, and dealing with COVID issues, though they were able to, to rebound against the lowly Cowboys on Tuesday night. I want to get your take on that game. Just do a little bit of a preview. And, and to start us off, you know, you wrote a great article at the time, I thought, and did some great film analysis showing how Baker wasn't getting off his first read in that game, that he was kind of stuck like glue to that first read and really couldn't get through his progressions. That was back in week one. As we approach this week, has Baker improved enough in that area in your estimation to go up against this formidable of a defense? Well, I think he's more confident. I don't know that he's still some, some all of a sudden – 12 weeks later, some aficionado now moving from first to second read. And I, I've had this question. This has been a very common question for me this week in, in preparation for this game. It's, it's, it's everyone wants to know why Baker's producing better, why he's playing better, what's going on, what's the rationale. And I just think that sometimes it comes down to the type of opponent you play and how those guys around you are playing too. Like I just think the Browns offensive line has been as good as we've seen across the NFL which matters. It absolutely matters when you have a guy like Baker who plays better from clean pockets. It, uh, it'll always matter for Baker and the Browns and their front office absolutely know this. And that's why they have invested so heavily in the offensive line during his tenure and have really gotten to the point that they now have such a good group in front of Baker uh, happening every single game. And, and like, for the most part, he's been really well protected and that matters. He's been protected well and Baker plays best when he's protected well. Uh, there's no, there's no way around that. He, when he does not have pressure bearing down in his face, he's a little bit of a different player. He plays with a more confident nature about him. Uh, he certainly sees the field in a more confident manner. And I, I certainly think the Browns, it gives the chance for these wide receivers that they have who are not all great separators uh, to find the ability to get open. And, you know, who, Baker's had an interesting season of late. I think he's, He's had two really great games against defenses who do things poorly, handle play action and, and pressure the quarterback. They don't really change. Uh, the Bengals didn't change coverage a ton, like Baker's noted for not really doing great with teams who disguise coverage. So it was nice to see him do a little bit more of that with Tennessee this past week. But uh, what, what you're looking at with Baker is this. When he's got a, a comfort in the offense, which going from week one in this offense where he was just brand new to it, really applying it to the field, to now, he's got a far greater comfort of what the offense should do, what Kevin Stefanski wants from his quarterback, the timing of everything, he's very confident. That helps. He's being protected very well. There have been games he's struggled where he has not been protected very well. And listen, this is not unique to Baker. There, there are quarterbacks all over the league, some of the best names in the league, who struggle uh, when they're pressured. It's not, it's not, some, it's not something that's exclusive uh, to Baker Mayfield by any stretch of the imagination, but he is certainly a better player when he's unpressured. And that's what happened last week. Not pressured, Tennessee, one of the lowest pass pressure rates in the league and really struggled to handle play action. He thrives. If Baker feels confident, if Baker feels like he's seen the field well, he feels like, feels like he has protection, he will deliver the football as well as almost anybody in the league. Very accurately, has a really live arm, and he'll get it where it needs to go. And if you give him enough time, he'll eventually get to his progressions. But if you put pressure on him, take his first read away, that's what we have to see if Baker Mayfield is able to handle. And that's really what the Browns are waiting to see from a franchise perspective. 
you know, the formula for the Ravens, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this, and I might be answering a question before you ask it, is this. They want to play from out in front. They want to get out early and make it difficult for you to catch up, get you into predictable pass situations, unload a defense that has a pretty solid pass rush and some unique blitzes and some disguised coverage and make things really tough on a quarterback. That sounds like a pretty similar formula to what they have going on with the Browns. They want to play from out in front. The Browns want to get out in front and then put their ball control offense in an opportunistic defense who's in better situations when they know what the defense – or, sorry, what the opposing offense is going to do. That's what they want to do. Notice how quickly Tennessee fell behind, right? And they when Tennessee fell behind, <laughs> the game almost started to feel like it was over before it started. That's what both teams wanted to do. The Browns were able to do it. You look back to week one – uh, if you look back to week one, what did the Ravens do? They got out early. They got out early. They were up 13-0 on Cleveland before they knew it. And then the Browns started having to throw in predictable situations. And that's when the team ran into trouble. So you have this formula that the Browns want to do, this formula where Baker Mayfield's really good when he's playing from out in front, gets a lead, starts to get a rhythm, starts to be able to really use the run pass deception. That's when he's good. Now the Browns, like I said, they're waiting for this time when they're down 13-0, 17-0, how does Baker respond? Can he put the team on his back in pass situations when DBs know that they have to play the pass, when opposing defensive linemen are teeing off on the quarterback? Can he get it done then? That's what they need to see. Ultimately, that's what Stefanski knew and the Vikings know, that Kirk Cousins really can't over, he can't overcome it. And a special group of, of quarterbacks in this league have that ability to overcome those tough, predictable situations. They don't know if they have that with Baker. So far, we have not seen that from him. But what's great to see from week one to week, what are we going to be now? Week 14 is that he's progressed in the sense that he's comfortable in the offense. He's playing with better eye discipline, better pocket management, and all of those things are starting to add up and mean something really positive for this offense. So that's kind of where I'm at. There's more to prove with Baker, but he's certainly a much better version of the guy we saw early in the season in all of 2019, obviously. Well, and he's going to have to be, right? I mean, he really struggled in, in this game in particular when – you know, in exactly the situations you talk about, in obvious passing situations and when the Ravens brought pressure. I think I, I saw a stat that he was two for 10 for 25 yards when, when the Ravens brought extra pass rushers in week one. So he's going to have to be better in, in that area. And he also threw a, a pretty tough interception where he got fooled by the Ravens defense, once again, in a pressure situation as well in that week one game. And so you bring up a good point with Tennessee as you know, I think kind of the perception for the casual fan is that Tennessee, Mike Vrabel, defensive team, you know, in the past, but that's not the case this year. They don't generate any pressure at all against the quarterback and Baker was comfortable all day. That's just not going to be the case against the Ravens. It's not the, their pass rush is much more formidable. They're going to test this offensive line a lot more and, and they're going to have to hold up and win at the line of scrimmage to give Baker some easy opportunities. But also when it's not perfect around Baker, he's going to have to show up in a big way in this game. So I think it is a nice litmus test for him and, and for Browns fans with where we stand with him. It's like, all right, when, when he has things comfortable and easy, he is delivering at that elite level. He is. And, and he did that against Tennessee but okay, now when you're, you know, when the pressure's turned up a notch, both in terms of the stakes of the game and also in on the defensive side of the football, if they're turning up the pressure, how is he going to handle that? So I, that's what I can't wait to see on Sunday as well. So I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. On the other side of the football, 
you mentioned how the Ravens jumped out to a big lead against the Browns and really put them in the rearview mirror right from the beginning of the game in week one. This Browns secondary doesn't seem to be doing any better given the injuries and everything going on there. And the Ravens really shredded them a lot through the air early on in that game, which was surprising. What did the Browns do that didn't work in that week one game? And how do you think they're going to adjust on Monday night to do a little bit better? Well, uh, listen, the Browns are, like you said, and it's no secret, everybody who covers the NFL I think is pretty aware of the the situation with the Browns defense where it's it's just it's limited athletically it's limited stand from a personnel standpoint and they're never going to be a group that is able to really take opposing offenses out of everything they want to do some teams can some teams have this ability Baltimore has this ability Pittsburgh has this ability uh, and when Baltimore's healthy, I think that Baltimore's been through some things. And Pittsburgh, I, I, we got to see how the rest of their season plays out in terms of this. But some teams have this ability. Even even Kansas City, in my opinion, has it. But what they do is they get out in front and they pretty much shut you down. If they get out yeah. in front and you got to do one thing, they're going to shut you down for the most part. Cleveland doesn't have that. So what they want to do when they get out in front is do this. Control the football as much as they possibly can and give their defense every chance to compete. What it, What that means is – Simply put, make the make the defense has to feel like they can eliminate one portion of of the of the of the opposing offense's attack. They can either eliminate uh, the the run game, which is what you do typically when you're out in front, or you can eliminate a heavy dose of play action. Play action won't really be a big factor. What what's hard on playing defense is is when teams do something you think they're going to do and it's completely different. Whether that's play action, whether that's lining up and, and spread personnel formations and running the football, offenses are trying to fool defenses. That's all they're trying to do. That's that's the overall game. And, and the gist of what of what Cleveland's trying to do is get out in front, you know, however that takes, whether that's creating some turnovers or 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 forcing a couple advantageous punting situations, get out in front and let their defense just try to 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 defend people uh, when they know they're going to throw or they have them in predictable situations. Even when they're in predictable situations, the personnel's not good enough to totally shut people down. We've seen it with Dallas. We've seen it with um, – uh, there's another large comeback game in there too. I'm forgetting. Obviously the Tennessee game, but there was uh, any, a little bit of Indy. Uh, Any time they get some uh, – Jacksonville is, is another one. lead really has not been <laughs> safe for the Browns all season, I think it's safe it, to say. It really hasn't. But what their formula is, and I guarantee their coaches are sitting there saying is, hey, man, we got to play out in front so that we can help our defense in any way possible. Uh, we're still not good enough to shut people down, but we can at least get in situations where we can we feel like uh, we can help our defense out by helping them know what's coming. And, and that can help us in, in some way we can hold on to this lead, right? Like that's the formula. They eventually, maybe next year, they get to the point where they're more comfortable with their personnel and they can do some different things. But like the general gist of what the Browns want to do, play from in front, help our defense eliminate one phase of the game and cross our fingers and hope for the best. Somebody's going to make a play. Miles makes a strip sack. Uh, when Denzel's healthy, he makes a play, whatever. They're just trying to get by in that way. They're going to spend money. They're going to improve their defense this off season. But for now, they're trying to keep water out of the ship by doing it this way. That's their formula right now. Uh, our offense is our best defense. Let's do what we can there. So that's what they're trying to do. Uh, the thing that Baltimore did really well is when they were playing from out in front, they decided to say, screw it. We're not going to run that much. We're going to still throw it. Cleveland was expecting them to run the clock, milk it out, but they just kept throwing 
play action at him constantly, and the Browns were ill-prepared for that. Remember, this is not just the first part of an offensive season where they were bringing something new in. Joe Woods completely new week one, and it's even harder. You saw across the NFL how bad defenses were to start Mm -hmm. the season. It was a really big scoring start to the NFL season. So I'm not too worried about where the Browns were week one. They had so many guys new across the board on that defense playing a bunch of different roles. And I think they're going to be so much better prepared for what the defense in general wants to do uh, in terms of where they line up, where they go, assignment, run, fit, all of it that I don't expect a repeat. But it was kudos to Baltimore week one because they said, hey, man, you guys are expecting us to run because we're, we've got a little bit of a lead here. We're going to play action you to death. And that's what they did. I think, I think Lamar threw for four touchdowns in that game. It was, it was, a, yep. it was a display, uh, certainly a dissection of Cleveland at that point. So um, I, I don't hold any weight to that week one game. The Browns were so new to what they were trying to do, their staff, their front office, their personnel from their coaches, knowing how to use them standpoint, they're in a much better place, but don't get me wrong. The way this game is won Sunday, Monday, whatever, Monday night is who takes care of the football and who plays from out in front. There could be a situation here where it stays sort of seven point neutral for most of the game. But with these two teams, it just has felt like it's a who plays from out in front and who can make the other team limited and get them out of their comfort zone. So that's what the Browns have been able to do to other teams. Majority of the season, sometimes weather has helped, uh, but they've been, they've been doing a nice job on their own too. So uh, that's what it'll come down to. It's just going to come down to some of those ball break things. And then it's going to come down to who can hold on and make, uh, help their defense out with with predictable uh you know throw pass situations run run pass sorry yeah and and it it is complicated sometimes but also sometimes it can really be that simple you just look at who the browns best players are on the defensive side of the football and it's pretty much the guys up front obviously miles garrett being chief among them and so hey if you can get them in situations where they can just pin their ears back and go and try to make a play that's really how this defense has been most successful is that and and opportunistic turnovers they really haven't been able to to just stifle teams on a consistent basis at all and and given the injuries back there uh, especially in the secondary it's it's not going to be that way I think on Monday night either so it's going to come down to who, yeah, who can take that lead, who can jump out early and make it a little bit easier on the defense. Because, look, if there are run pass options, if Baltimore's in the lead and, and can use play action, that makes it really tough on a Browns linebacking core that's not always that strong. So I think you bring up all good points there. However, as you said, the Browns are in a different place than they were in week one, right? What I don't think we're going to see is all the busted coverages that happened in week one, all of that stuff that happens when you have a new defensive coordinator. So, Jake, how are you feeling about the Browns' chances in this game, given the fact that, hey, yeah, it was a blowout in week one, but the teams are in totally different places, and the Browns are kind of riding a high right now. Do you think they, you know, really have a a strong chance to win this game? Without a doubt. I mean, I don't – Baltimore's playing great defense right now. It's kind of average as they get some guys back. They've struggled at the linebacker position. They've struggled at safety. I think that the Browns will be able to score on them. I thought the Browns were moving the football on them pretty effectively early in that week one game before I did uh, before they, they they missed that the, 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 the little wrinkle before halftime where Odell drops that ball on third down and then they miss a kick that I think would have made it 
17-10, I think, at that point yep. or something along those lines. Then Baltimore scores a quick touchdown before half, and it's 24-7 or something like that. Uh, and, and the game was pretty much over at that point. They played a sloppy throwing a pass-heavy second half. I think they're going to be able to score. I think they're going to run the football well. Their play action will come into play. Uh, I certainly I certainly don't have doubts about that. How they're able to handle the the, the, the varying assignments and the unique – Baltimore offense for 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 Joe Woods I liked what he did to 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 give Tennessee some fits Arthur Smith some fits in the run game that really impacted them how can they take Lamar out of the game how can they limit his scrambling all of those things will be fascinating to me the personnel he uses will he use more defensive backs will he use less linebackers I, I don't know we're just gonna have to see I think the Browns can win I, I mean I think Baltimore's favored I'm a little surprised Baltimore's favored uh, early out of the gate I think they're a one and a half point favorite on the road, which tells you that Vegas thinks they're the far superior team. I know that three points is typically the number on the, on the road, uh, the home teams get anyway, but um, in the, in the pandemic stuff that might balance itself out a little bit, but listen, they think, they think Cleveland isn't as good as ball. I, I'm kind of going into it, expecting them to win. They're confident. They're riding a high. They're determined to beat these teams that people think they can't beat. I know this is an all in backs against the wall, have to win game for Baltimore, but I think there's a level of hunger from Cleveland that is very real, very tangible. And listen, I won't be surprised either way if they win or lose. But I just kind of have a feeling that this team is very driven towards the end of the season here. They're seeing opportunities uh, that they haven't seen before, uh, especially this group in the NFL winning like this is, is, is new to all of them at the NFL level. And you start getting a few wins. You start learning what you have to do to win games. And it's just like it's a hunger thing. And you can sense it with a group uh, on both sides of the football. And I think they love being the underdog. They love thinking Vegas is doubting us. They love believing that people don't believe in them. Uh, there's, there's always, I always call the NFL, it's a, it's a motivation business. It's who is most motivated because that matters. It certainly matters to be able to stay motivated and who has more want to. This should be an even game in that regard. But for me, if Cleveland wins, I would not be surprised. And honestly, I'm expecting a close win for them. Yeah, and you had it almost uh, right on the money in terms of what happened in that last game. And I, just because I agreed with you, I looked it up. The Browns were in a, a tight game. It was 10-6. Uh, they gave up a touchdown with 2.53 left in the half, 17-6. That play with Odell happens where, where they miss out on a touchdown, miss the field goal. And then Baltimore comes back down and scores a touchdown to make it 24-6 and the game was over. And, right. and that kind of changed the trajectory in the sense that, hey, maybe that first half was a little bit more even than we thought. And then when the Browns came out in the second half, much more one-dimensional, that plays into the Ravens' hands and, and the game goes the way it goes. But I agree with you. And what gives me the most faith is Kevin Stefanski. I've, I've been a huge Kevin Stefanski supporter throughout most of his time here on, on this podcast. I mean, I know he's made a couple, I think, rookie head coaching mistakes, but I think from a scheme perspective, you can see his impact on this team, but also from a mentality perspective. I love everything that I hear out of the press conferences, out of his post-game speeches. He's very focused. He's all about the work. He brings a maturity to this organization that I think you can see filter down to the rest of the guys where they're you know, never too high, never too low, and have a little bit of that chip on their shoulder, like you said. And so I think they're going to come in and stay focused. I think that's, you know, really the worry you would think is after this big win against Tennessee, national media is finally starting to turn around a little bit on the Browns, maybe starting to be like, oh, hey, the Browns might be legit at nine and three. You know, you worry about the focus with this team. At least that would be the natural thing to worry about. But for me, 
I don't really see that as an issue. And I think especially given the fact that Baltimore has been an Achilles heel for this team and already beaten them once this season, I expect them to come in to this game extremely focused, extremely ready to play. Baltimore is going to be coming off a, a shorter week as well. A bunch of guys coming back from the COVID list. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think the Browns have a fantastic chance to win this game. I, I think I would slightly lean in, in their favor as well. I, I do think it's going to be a big test for Baker Mayfield, though. I think the, the point about how Tennessee did not make him uncomfortable at all, I, I think this Ravens defense will find ways to do that, at least at times in this game. So he is going to be under a little bit more of a challenge. I don't think things are going to come as easy to him as they did in that Tennessee game. But I also think some of the weather and other stuff has masked some of the improvements he's made. So I'm, I'm hoping that it all continues on the same trajectory. And if it does, I, I think the Browns could uh, end after Monday night with uh, 10 wins. I'm with you. And then, and then three favorable, uh, interesting matchups the rest of the way too. And, and mm-hmm. it's exciting. It's a good time. It's a good time to be a Browns fan. Uh, it's a good time to feel good about where this franchise is going. I hope that uh, however many are able to get into First Energy Stadium, you're loud, you're raucous, you make it feel like it's a larger <laughs> crowd than it is, which they've done a great job of that this year. But yeah, man, you want you want your team if your you know if your team's nine and three and the national media still kind of questions where you are, you want them to feel doubted. I like that they're underdogs in this game. I like that that people still don't think they can win big games, and it's a prime time opportunity. Um, you know, as the NFL starting to believe in them more and more. Obviously, we saw they were flexed the next week to Sunday Night Football. It's an opportunity to prove themselves, and I really could not be more excited for this game, uh, even if we can't, like I said, go to it and watch it live. It, it still should be a really fun thing to watch on TV. So uh, I'm excited, and I hope the fan base is excited, and, 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 and it should be, uh, should be an interesting month of football here. You said it very well, Jake. The team is 9-3. and three. Browns fans, you should be excited. They're on Monday night, prime time, getting flexed into more prime time. This is a truly special time to be a a Browns fan with with how this team has progressed this season, with how many games they've won. It just, I've been saying it on this podcast time and time again, and I'm just going to keep saying it. The Browns are nine and three. How sweet is that after some of the years we've had to endure with this team the last couple of years. So Jake, thanks so much for coming on here today and breaking down everything with me. Just real quick before we sign off, tell all the listeners out there where they can find all your work. Yeah, I'm a little all over the place in terms of it's still one centralized uh, place, the OBR, which we have our website, uh, the Orange and Brown Report, uh, which is which is a 247 Sports CBS website. You can check us out. Tons of film room content. We have beat room uh, beat reporter content up as well. A bunch of different things on 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 one of the prime places that you can get mock draft content, looking ahead to the draft and prospects. Uh, always looking ahead, always staying in the moment. So check out the OBR. Uh, we have great stuff there. Two places on Twitter at Jake underscore Burns eighteen. Uh, I'm there. Uh, generally commenting on the game and different things that come across my timeline. And then uh, the OBR film breakdown. We do a lot of different stuff on that Twitter handle, OBR film BDN. And uh, we have an OBR YouTube channel uh, that we do a live Baker Mayfield film room every week and and put up some, some different content there. So yeah, tons of places to check us out. Thanks for having me, man. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. That, that Baker Mayfield film room is just awesome stuff for if you're a hardcore Browns fan out there, Check him out on YouTube. It's really awesome stuff every week. Jake's also a must-follow on Twitter. 
uh, love seeing his stuff on, on Sunday. So uh, again, appreciate it. And that's going to do it for us here on the Rebuild. Jordan Zerm will have a more in-depth preview of the Baltimore Ravens game coming on this feed later this week. Until then, Browns fans, you can find me at Henry underscore Ettinger. And uh, that's going to do it for this show. Go Browns!